Does it ever feel like that this world, well, even the church in general, let's break it down even farther, even our own lives, might be looking a lot more like Egypt these days? Let's talk about it. Even if it's a little uncomfortable on this Monday morning. Thank you for joining me today for this brief devotional. My hope is that your heart will both be encouraged and challenged. When the children of Israel were taken out of Egypt and rescued by the Lord and the plagues and that powerful Red Sea moment where the sea parted and scripture says they actually walked across on dry ground, once they got into the wilderness, um, there was a lot of Egypt still left in them. As I was reading Psalm 106 the other day, and it was just kind of recounting some of their story, it caused me to ask some questions about my own life. We kind of live in our own Egypt, if you will, and I'm wondering, do I look different? Do I talk different? Do I live differently? Or do I strive for the same things? Do I offer my children up for more or for stuff or for the right college or education? Do I offer my own heart up for things that have no real eternal value? And this is the passage that kind of made me wrestle myself with these questions, and I'm hoping maybe we'll all wrestle with them a little bit today. But the Psalmist wrote this, and this is near the end of chapter 106, and it's kind of encapsulating how God sees the children of Israel. And it says this, they didn't wipe out those godless cultures as ordered by God. It's really interesting that we see God as this merciful, loving God, but yet when we read the story of the children of Israel and they would go into these new territories to take them over, God would tell them, wipe out the entire nation and do not take their plunder. Don't take anything that belongs in them, destroy it all. And when I read that, I'm like, how would you destroy everything? But what it's a picture of is, is he was trying to let the children of Israel know that if you hold on to even the most minuscule piece of Egypt, then Egypt has a foothold in you. And so he was telling them to get rid of these godless cultures as ordered by God. But then he says this, they didn't do it. Instead, what did they do? They intermarried with the heathens and in time became just like them. How did it happen? Well, they worshiped their idols, were caught in the trap of idols. They sacrificed their sons and daughters at the altar of demon gods. They slit the throats of their babies, murdered their infant girls and boys. They offered their babies to Canaan's gods. The blood of their babies stained the land. Their way of life stank to high heaven. They lived like whores, meaning they lived with adulterous lives and hearts because they married 
the world. And then he goes on and it says, and God was furious. A wildfire anger, he couldn't stand to even look at his people. He turned them over to the heathen so that the people who hated them ruled them. Their enemies made life hard for them. They were tyrannized under their rule. Over and over, God rescued them, but they never learned until finally their sins destroyed them. We forget often that God is a jealous God, but he's not jealous with a petty jealousy like you and I. He's jealous with a righteous anger because he knows what sin does. And I've said it before, the things about the, the thing about the enemy, he never reveals the cost of sin, ever. He just sets us up with this um, Pollyanna picture that if we give ourselves to this fruit that looks so good, there will be no consequences at all until we eat of it and then we're left and our eyes are open and all of a sudden we realize the mess that we've made. And so I was reading this, asking my heart some really hard questions and I was asking the Lord, Lord, don't let Egypt be in me. Don't let me partake of the gods of this world, the gods of success, or the gods of more, or the gods of self-sufficiency, or the gods of I want my own way, or the gods of anything other than you. Because before we know it, we may think in, in that singular moment that I'm only offering up this, but before we know it, we're, we're living out these horrific things that it's just said where, where they offered their own babies to Canaan gods. Do you think when they made that very first decision to just intermarry that they ever thought they'd then be offering up their children? Of course they didn't because sin never reveals the cost. And it never shows you what's waiting down the line. When we offer a piece up and then it's easier to offer the next piece of our heart up and then the next piece until we're sacrificing things we never thought we would sacrifice. But listen to the beauty of this. Listen to how, not just how quickly, but again, what propels God's heart to turn still. When God saw the trouble they were in and heard their cries for help, he remembered his covenant with them and his immense and immense with love took them by the hand. Look at this tenderness of God just by crying for help, just by realizing the wreckage that we've made, the poor decisions that we've made, the, the surrendering the altars that we thought would sustain us or, or supply for us. He said he poured his mercy out on them while their captors looked on amazed. Do you know that God can even take the wreckage that you've done with your own story, redeem it in such a way that even your handlers, even those people that tried to um, propel you or project you into those places of prison, even your suppliers, if you will, they will look on amazed at how God has rescued you. Boy, what a testimony and story that will be. Save us, O oh God, our God. Gather us back out of exile so we can give thanks to your holy name and join in the glory when you are praised. Save us, O oh God, and gather us back from exile.
Some of us need to be gathered back from Egypt. Some of us need an eye-opening moment of what Egypt has taken and what we've sacrificed there by intermarrying with things we were never called to join ourselves with. You cannot dabble in the enemy's territory. He will take you down hook, line, and sinker. But even if you're there today, just one cry to your Heavenly Father who is immense with love for you, will turn his heart and he will rescue you. And that enemy that thought he had you ensnared, he will stand back completely and utterly amazed. If your heart was encouraged today, please know that we have many other resources available for you. You can discover all of those at reclaiminghearts.org.